Well, we want to welcome you to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs, along with TJ Darty, and we are the Reformed Informants. What's going on in Kentucky land, TJ? Just and say it all the time. Just another week. Uh, getting another ready to, week in Philippians. Yeah, that's right. Getting we're let's see, week four, week four, sermon number four coming up this Sunday. We're on verse six of chapter one, so making good progress there. Just slowly trudging through, uh, verse by verse. But uh, I can't believe you're moving that fast. I, yeah, well, we, I get I get to preach forty minute sermons, so um, I'm able to get a little bit more packed in there. Um, no, so yeah, we got another another week of Philippians coming up. Uh, starting the process of opening up the doors a little bit, all those questions that come with that. I know you guys are dealing with some of that too. Um, right. So yeah, it, handling a lot of new pastoral questions that have never really been broached before, at least by our generation. So um, a, a new normal, uh, as they say. So what 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 about you, man? What's what's going on down there in, in Texas? Oh Go yeah. Home. Basically the same, but since I'm just interning, I don't make those decisions. Um, and I don't really have any say so on those decisions either. So I get to sit back and learn uh, from the other side of the table, which has been helpful. But yeah, same as you, uh, we're looking to um, have a re-entry point back into the world, it seems, yeah. for our church. Yeah. Um, so May 24, I think, is the potential. Well, actually, I think we've set that date. May 24 is going to be the... Uh, relaunch of countryside bible church well uh, let me very... know if you guys if you guys have any disasters give me a heads up because we're a week behind so yeah okay yeah i'll, I'll send it your way <laughs> um but before we get into this episode uh we want to welcome back to the show josh Cheryl. um josh is with us back in season one uh, for two episodes, uh, I think one in theology proper, maybe the decrees of God, and uh, and then the gospel and homosexuality. So he passed yeah. the test, and uh, <laughs> we want to we want to welcome him back. So Josh, where are you right now? What are you doing? What's the life update? Fill us in, please. I, I am in the beautiful seminary library at Countryside um, here in Texas, Lance and Mine Church. Um, getting ready for the, the relaunch, like you said, Countryside 2.0. <laughs> and uh, yeah, family's doing well, um, you know, just uh, enjoying uh, some summer classes, rolling through uh, seminary and can't wait for more. Yeah. How many classes are you taking right now? I have three this summer. What are you taking? I have the uh, Exegesis of Job. Um, and that one is... Uh, uh, fascinating i really like it and uh um uh, it's going to stretch me quite a bit job is the most difficult hebrew in the old testament mm-hmm. i'm told um and then i have a prayer in the pastor class and i have a charismatic theology class josh josh let me ask a question hope hope i'm not stepping on toes here when you entered seminary were you on academic probation like my co-host <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. Okay, good. I just, I just didn't know how. I didn't know how prevalent that was at seminary down there. I was just, I was just curious. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if, well, the episode we released today was my unveiling 
of academic probation to our listeners. So I don't know if you've listened to that episode or not. Man, but I have gotten a lot of mileage out of that. That has been <laughs> that has been a lot of fun. So I, I'm so glad that's finally public knowledge. And um, uh, yeah, well, we Lance wouldn't tell you this, but he is an excellent student. He really cares a lot about um, going through seminary with excellence. So. Yeah, that, you, you couldn't it. have said that 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, redemption, man. Redemption. Redemption. So. All right. Well, here we go, boys. Episode 42, COVID-19 signaling the end of the world. Is COVID-19 signaling the end of the world? It, I was about is, to ask, is that a statement or a question? Yeah, is that the situation we have going okay. on here? Okay. Um, is, is it the end of the world? You know, the events that have unfolded the last couple of months, are these signs of the end times? Um, or are these signs of the return of Christ and the end of all things, the consummation of all things? That's what this episode is going to deal with. So uh, before we get going, I'm going to kick it back to you, TJ, and then over to, Sh- over to Josh. And uh, let's kind of define what we are doing in this episode and what we are not doing in this episode. Yeah, um... <clears throat> Couple of couple of points that we had even discussed with this, um, Lance. I believe this should be the last of the kind of COVID nineteen response episodes, and of course, others may come up. Uh, we're we're dealing with this new situation um, each and every week, but uh, the plan is to get back into our systematic and jump into some Christology episodes coming up. Um, but in in response, I actually had somebody reach out and ask a question uh, pastorally. Hey, dealing with is this the end of the world? And so I think it would be appropriate just pastorally to answer this question and help people think about it, but we're not building a full eschatology right now. Eschatology is the study of the last things. And in the study of systematic theology, it comes at the end um, naturally. So we haven't gotten there yet. And so we're not going to attempt to build an eschatology with this episode. Um, rather we're trying to answer the more general question and relationships related to the broad view of the end of, of the end of time, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think I have anything to add. You guys are, um, I think, um, pastorally minded people. I don't, um, you know, I, I am a little bit of a nerd, um, but I don't, I don't like walk around with my, um, you know, end times prophecy study Bible, um, under my arm or anything, anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just grateful to be pulled into the conversation and, um, want to, help it along. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, we're we're glad that you're here because uh I think we need both of those perspectives and being able to dig into the scripture, um see what the scripture says from a theological standpoint, but then being able to also have the conversation pastorally and practically, which is one of the aims of this podcast, right? Like we do systematic theology, we do biblical biblical exposition, but our aim is to have a practical application and be able to think about things uh from a Christian worldview. So, uh, I'm excited to have the conversation. Yeah, so um, if someone was to ask you, and I think this has actually happened to, uh, I know TJ, um, but the general conversation and question has circulated often in previous weeks. Um, But if someone was to come up and ask you if we are living in the end times, what would be the best way um, as, as a Christian to respond to whether Christians are asking that question or unbelievers are asking that question, are we living in the end times? I'm going to, I'm going to send it to Josh to get us going here. Um, yeah. I mean, how would you respond to that? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, the end times has a lot of, um, 
um, baggage with it. I don't mean that necessarily in a negative way, but obviously um, there's whole book series that are written about it, fiction and nonfiction. Um, and so just to define terms, I guess, is where I would start. You know, when people, when Christians use the phrase end times or last times, that um, those two phrases are used in the Bible to refer to the consummation of God's program for human history. Um, and so we, we want to think about it as far as what the Bible says and how the Bible uses those terms, not how, you know, Netflix or, um, you know, uh, apocalyptic fiction um, uses those terms. And so I think we would all agree that we would say, yes, we are in the last days, the way that the Bible uses those um, those phrases. You know, I, I, I think one of you guys pointed out from Acts, Peter um, quotes from Joel chapter two, and, and, and he says, and it shall be in the last days, God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And that was on the day of Pentecost. And Peter was applying that text to his present day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would, I would agree with everything you just said there, Josh. Um, definitely important to define our terms and to say we are biblically speaking then in the last days. Um, now, when did those last days begin? That's that's a question worth asking. With like Peter speaking at Pentecost, he says these are the last days. Uh, Hebrews chapter one, uh, the introduction to Hebrews says God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, and through whom also He made the world. So, how then? Where do where do we kind of draw that line in the continuum of history uh, to say this is when the last days began? Yeah, yeah, I think you I think you start with Christ's first advent. Lance, go ahead. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but we're, uh, the last days would start with Christ's first advent. Yeah. Well, well said, boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's really good. Um, well, I think, I think the, done. Yeah. I think the easiest way to see that though is the dichotomy that's kind of drawn there in Hebrews one. Uh, long ago, he spoke to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. But now, kind of the that's on the one hand. But on the other hand, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. So Christ comes and inaugurates the last days. And so from the appearance of Christ, he begins the process of the end. Um, but there's now a, uh, a pause, so to speak, between his ascension, of course, the death, burial, resurrection, between his ascension and his return. So this period that we find ourselves in, uh, they, this is the last days. Now, this has extended for 2,000 years, and it might extend 30 more seconds, or it might extend another 2,000 years. We don't know the answer to that, of course, but but we are presently in the last days from a biblical timeline. And I think that's important because the Reformers were in the last days. The mm -hmm. patriarchs were in the, the early church fathers. They were in the last days. Paul and the New Testament, the book of Acts, those were the last days. Now, it doesn't feel like that, but that's the reality. So um, we, we need to have those uh, categories in place, I think. Yeah. You know, the apostles, um, they spoke about the last days as current, but they also spoke about them as future. Um, Paul, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1 said, um, and he was warning him about trials, saying, in the last days, 
difficult times will come yet future. Second mm. um, Peter three three Peter you know warning about false teachers says um, in the last days mockers will come, and so they're both current and future in their day. And you look at the Lord Jesus and His teaching; He spoke about a last day singular. So so these last days are progressing toward a last day biblically speaking. Um, in John six thirty nine, He spoke of the last day as a day of resurrection. Um, of all the Father has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. And he also spoke of it as a day of judgment. Um, John twelve forty eight. he rejects me and does not receive my sayings. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Yeah, that's 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 a really good distinction there. Uh, I would, I'm actually preaching this coming Sunday. At the time this airs, it will have been yesterday, but uh, on Philippians 1, 6, and speaking of the day of Jesus Christ, and there's a day um, in which the end will come for that resurrection. And in Philippians 1, Paul is speaking of, as you mentioned, that day of the resurrection, um, when all that the Father has given will be raised up mm -hmm. on the last day. So I think that's a really good distinction. Lance, what would, what would you add to that? Well, I like what you guys have said. I, I don't think I can necessarily add... Uh, you could to, just repeat the, it like you did yeah, earlier. I, you know, I can just repeat it. Um, no, but I, I would say um, I, I would say that using last day terminology is biblical, and it's okay to discuss the last days. Mm -hmm. If we have clarity on what we're talking about when we say uh, the, the last days. Um, so in other words, not to cut you off, in other words, you would say that speaking using last day terminology doesn't make us uh, doomsday type of Rappers. right. Like we're not crazy. Yeah. We're not out there in left field. We're speaking in biblical terminology. I think that's good. Yeah. There's a good component and element to being able to use biblical terminology, but you're not some end time freak, you know, that is right. Totally consumed with the book of revelation and the end. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but I would also throw in there, um, that even the old Testament, uh, speaks often of the last days, uh, or the day of the Lord, like you guys had talked about when Peter's preaching at Pentecost from Acts 2, he's quoting from Joel 2, uh, Hosea chapter 3, verse 5, uh, speaks of the last days. Um, Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, um, also speaks of the last days. So really, you could argue, um, that as we try and do on this podcast, when we're building a systematic, that all of Scripture speaks about the last days days would it be fair to say <clears throat> that all that from the beginning of creation that everything is pointing towards is is aimed towards this last day uh then that when god created he created the heavens and the earth and he created uh as one theologian i'm uh uh dependent on has said that the earth was like a divine theater in which the, the, the play of creation would play out and, and all, but all of that pointing towards that day of consummation, is it fair to say that all of history is now aimed to that end? Yeah, I, th I think so. Um, you know, you get Romans eight, this, um, reference to the fall, um, the curse that mm -hmm. God imposed on creation, that was all the way back in Genesis chapter three. And Paul says that ever since that day, right. creation is groaning, waiting to be made new again. Exactly. And so from Genesis three, which is thousands of years ago, mm -hmm. um, the, the world and all of its history 
has been leading up to, building up to, with this sort of increasing anticipation until the sons of God will be revealed, until everyone will know, um, you know, um, who belong to the Lord. Everyone will will see him. Everyone will, um, yeah, see uh, his judgment, see his righteousness revealed, um, and a new heavens and new earth will be created. Yeah, so as we continue with the last day's discussion, what, what, what is the primary event that we are looking forward to? Not just the end, not just the last day's future aspect, but primarily what are we as Christians longing for about that particular day? Yeah, the return of Christ, right? Like that, that's one of the most beautiful things, I think, the, the poetic cohesion of Scripture, that all believers, all of God's people throughout all of history have been longing for the coming of Christ. Those in the Old Testament were longing for His first coming, and those of us in the church now are longing for His return, His second coming. That's all of all of human history has longed for the coming of the Messiah. Some for His first appearance, for the the beauty the beauty of the gospel, and those of us since then longing for His second appearance and the consummation and the completion of the gospel. I think there's something incredible about that. This anticipation and this longing that is uh, across time for God's people. That is that mm-hmm. has been marked in the creation. Yeah, yeah. So the last days, just to reiterate, we're talking about the window of time between Christ's first coming and His second coming. Mm-hmm. It's it's an anticipation of seeing Jesus set foot again on this planet, which the Old Testament speaks of often. And even the disciples in Acts chapter one, they're waiting for this kingdom, for Christ's kingdom, to be established. Uh, in which we are longing for at, at this moment for Christ's uh, return, His glorious return. Um, now, we don't plan on getting into timing issues of when that'll happen in this episode, so you guys will have to tune in months, if not years from now, uh, to discuss those particular issues. Um, but there is something that we can throw out there, and I think we can uh, build a biblical case for this, that Jesus Christ's return is imminent. Well, what do we mean by that, guys? Well, uh, are we are we asking the question then, are we in the last, last days? Is that kind of the question that you're asking? The last of the last part of the last days. <laughs> right. Like, like, and and I, we say that kind of jokingly, but like... We just made the case that we are in the last days, in some sense, the same way that Peter and Paul were. And the question then is, are we any closer to the end? We've been 2,000 years, uh, roughly. Are we any closer to the end? Is Is that kind of the question that we're attempting to answer? Right. Okay. Yeah, Josh, I'm kicking it to you. I just yeah. want to ask the question. <laughs> yeah, no, no the pressure. Bible, the Bible says yes. I'm prepared for this one. Um, just don't ask me any others. Yeah, the Bible says yes. You know, your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Um, and uh, you know, James, um, James chapter five says that the coming of the Lord is at hand. Uh, the judge is standing at the door. Peter says the same thing. Um, and, and just because. It was imminent in their day, and their day was 2,000 years ago. It does not mean that it is imminent today. Really, the perspective that a Christian has to have on this is that there is nothing, um, there's nothing left for God to accomplish before um, these end events occur, right? 
Um, and, uh, and while the Lord Jesus tarries, while he um, uh, uh, waits to return, um, people are being saved. You know, um, Peter says to regard the patience of our Lord Jesus as salvation. Uh, and so that's the, real, the Christian perspective on it. Right, so, good. so what did, um, let me just ask this question. You, you made the comment that there's nothing left for God to accomplish prior to the return. What has needed to be accomplished since he ascended? Hmm. What, what needed to be accomplished between then and now that has been accomplished? Since Anything? he ascended? Yeah, because he ascended and now we're waiting for him to return. Yeah. Um, what, what, what had to happen that has happened so that now we know he can come back? Sure, sure. Well, um, a couple of things. The sending of the Holy Spirit, obviously that came um, at Pentecost, um, and then the preaching of the gospel throughout the world. Yes. And so that is the ongoing mission of the church, to continue spreading the gospel into every corner um, until all of God's elect uh, are saved. Yeah, I, I loved what you said there, too, about that between now and then, like, like there's so much of us, right. That long, we just long for the end because we want, we want, I mean, we should long for the end, right? but, but the Lord is merciful in tarrying. He is merciful in not, um, in not coming back immediately because there are still those who are elect who have yet to be saved. And, uh, I think that that's just, uh, such a good reminder of his grace. It's just a, a good reminder of his mercy in um, in allowing us and allowing others to come to faith in Christ um, somewhere later on that timeline because of his mercy in, in, in that delay. Yeah, and one, one other thing I would add to that, uh, Josh, I loved what you had said uh, there about, um, about God uh, saving people. And it reminds me of, of uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, Right where it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Uh, of course, we would argue there from the context that the uh, not any and the you that Peter's speaking of there is the elect of God, and so he says he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, any of His chosen ones, but that they should reach repentance. And so I think it's just an important reminder for us to recognize that this is the goodness of God, that he is uh, slow in our standard, that we've been 2,000 years of this last days. He is waiting uh, for those whom he has chosen to repent. And I, I just think that that's such graciousness and goodness from our Heavenly Father. Right. And to, to, to bounce off that Second Peter chapter 3 passage, there's some eschatological discussions there talking about the earth being burned up or dissolved. Um, which takes us back to where we're going on our guide here. Um, are there places in Scripture that detail certain events that will transpire that kind of, I don't know, uh, lock us into the last days, I guess you could say? Are there, are there things that we could visually see or are there things that will take place in the end that identifies this is very, very near to the return of Christ? Yeah, this is the keystone passages um, for this issue would really be the um, Sermon on the Mount, or, <laughs> Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse, excuse me, and uh, Matthew um, 24, 25, that's going to be in Mark 13 also, and Luke 21. Um, and uh, really that I think is probably where 
we should focus. And um, there Jesus is talking about signs that come before the end. He mentions uh, wars and rumors of wars, um, earthquakes, famines, um, and other prophetic signs. And among those are plagues, he says, and that's in Luke 21, verse 11. Um, and the word that Jesus uses there for plagues is loimos in the Greek, which means pestilences. Uh, and so that's, <clears throat> you know, kind of, uh, I think where some of this um, question generates from is that, that, you know, sicknesses that will come about in the last times. Is that, is that where we're headed? Yeah. So would you say then that COVID-19 that we find ourselves in, in this worldwide pandemic, does that fit the bill? Does that, is that what we're seeing? Are we seeing a fulfillment in some sense of Luke 21, 11 and the Olivet Discourse? Yeah. It, you know, um, really could be. I mean, pandemics fit that description being in various places around the world. We see um, pandemics um, resurface in Revelation, talking about, um, you know, the end. Uh, chapter 6, verse 8 um, says that pestilence will be one of the four seal judgments. We don't have to get into all the details about that. You know, it comes up again in, in um, chapter 11, comes up again in chapter 16, talking about loathsome and malignant sores. Um, and so obviously, pestilence or disease is something that God uses uh, not only to signal um, the return of the Lord, but also accompanying, they, they attend the Lord's return. Um, yeah, at the last day. So what about for, and Lance, maybe you want to take this a different direction, but I'm just kind of, I'm just responding to this question. So does 2020, we're, you know, we're, we're dealing with this pandemic. This is not the first pandemic or the first set of disease or something of that sort that we've ever seen. So what makes this different or is this different than uh, previous pandemics, previous uh, sicknesses and diseases? How, how does, does it, is it different at all? Does it matter? You see these things, pestilence, disease, pandemic, um, you see these uh, cycles uh, that have really circulated the globe, um, you know, for millennia. Uh, events like this happening, um, where you could see a plague or a pestilence happening in your time and in your generation, and immediately link it up with, you know, a text from Revelation that uh, Josh had mentioned. Um, and it is, I think, difficult to pinpoint um, if this generation is that generation. I think all generations have had this question to some degree when something of this sort has happened. Um, I think that one angle to approach this would be to look at these things as a reminder of what will happen ultimately uh, when all of the book of Revelation unfolds. Now, I don't think I'm going to go on record making a prophecy saying that this is the one. However, um, I think we've had too much of that on YouTube lately. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Josh. I can jump in there. I was just going to say that one of the things Jesus says in that sermon um, on all of it, the Olivet Discourse, is um, that these signs are the beginning of birth pains, he says. And what do birth pains do? You know, they increase in intensity and in frequency. And so while I think that in 
um, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus is specifically referring to a time uh, yet future to us today. Um, nonetheless, we see the increasing frequency, perhaps, of, of these um, signs as sort of like Braxton Hicks, you could say. I like that. Um, yeah, uh, that was uh, John MacArthur. I was reading his book on the second coming. And he says, the present afflictions may merely be like Braxton Hicks contractions, premature labor pains, but they nonetheless signify that the time for hard labor and then delivery is inevitably and quickly drawing near. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's essentially the essence of what I would argue, that any time we see an earthquake or a pestilence or some other indicator of the end, it should be a reminder of exactly what you said, that the end is indeed near. And mm-hmm. of course, as the intensity increases, um, as the frequency increases, as our awareness increases, may we recognize that the, we are indeed in the last days and that with each passing moment, we are one uh, one moment closer to the return, that we are in a linear uh, timeline yeah. here and that the the coming of Christ is yet future, but is approaching. So uh, that's such a good reminder and certain. Absolutely. Um, that, that's, that's really, really good. Um, go ahead, Lance. Yeah, I was just going to say Revelation chapter one, verse three, is John is, you know, pinning the book of Revelation. Uh, the end of verse three says that the time is near. And I mean, he's writing in AD 95-ish or so in, in the first century. And in his mind, as he is about to document uh, 22 chapters of mm-hmm. basically uh, end times details, um, really beginning in chapter four, he in, in his own mind and in his own heart, he's saying the end is near. The time, the time is yeah. near. Yeah, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Uh, for, for balance sake, um, because I don't want us to, as Lance said, make this, uh, kind of bold prophetic statement that essentially says, well, things are more intense now than they've ever been, or this is crazier now. So we must, it must be coming. Uh, we would argue, of course, we've recognized that wars and famines and earthquakes, they've happened in every generation. Uh, they, they, this is not a new phenomenon in terms of, uh, you know, we spoke earlier about the the labor pains of the earth that Romans eight speaks of. Um, but there have been intense and crazy uh, things of this sort before, right? So, is COVID nineteen yeah. is it the worst pandemic that the world has ever seen? I think um, I think COVID nineteen will um, in the end. I don't know, and of course, I don't want to be. Um, yeah. Dispassionate, I don't want to be um, lacking compassion towards anyone who has experienced this much more closely to home than I have. But when we look at history, there are pandemics that have um, far and away exceeded uh, the devastation that COVID-19 has on a global scale thus far. 1300s, the Black Plague, uh, Black Death um, killed an estimated 50 million people. Um, that was between 1347 and 1400. Fast forward to World War I, uh, the Great Influenza. There killed, again, some 50 million people. Um, and, and that episode made quicker work, um, whereas the 
Black Death was over half a century. Influenza um, took its toll. 30 million people died in six months in 1918. And you think about what the people in that day must have been thinking. Um, the wars were happening, intrigue, um, you know, and obviously attended by this pestilence that was devastating. Um, and so a good perspective Christian, biblically speaking, is to recognize these things have happened before, mm-hmm. um, uh, not to belittle them, but to um, but to recognize that um, yeah, we're marching forward still on God's time frame. Yeah, I think I think kind of what I would kind of wrap that discussion up with before we transition to the last segment of the episode. But I would I would I would want to say I think that's a sobering reminder for us that essentially we can't look at a timeline of history and say each and every earthquake from the first century till now has successively gotten more and more intense uh, or that each plague has successively gotten worse and more and more people have died. We, we just don't see that direct linear core. You know, it's, it's not necessarily the case, but each and every time one of these things happens, uh, we're just reminded uh, of the fact that the end is near. And this could be the beginning of the end spoken mm-hmm. of in scripture. This, we don't know, uh, but it also may just be a blip on the radar when it's all said and done. Uh, mm-hmm. that looks nothing like the intense uh, increases that we've seen other times. This could be one of those kind of false contractions, kind of, so to speak, and and there may be another one coming. So uh, I, I just think that it's important to have that balance. That's one of the things that Lance has really helped me think through uh, as we've sought to understand Scripture together. He's been really uh, good and uh, in, in helping me understand that we don't want to be too extreme. And I've learned that from him, uh, I think, in my application of Scripture, and so that's been really helpful. Um Lance, let's let's shift. If you're okay with this, let's shift to to kind of talk about lessons that we can learn. So we we've, we've talked about some of the biblical concepts related to COVID nineteen and kind of the questions that it forces us to ask. Um, and sometimes we have to be willing to say that we don't know the answers to all those questions uh, because the Bible doesn't speak to them. And where the Bible is silent, so so shall we be. Um, but what what lessons can we learn and and practically apply to to our lives today? Yeah, well, when we had first been discussing this episode and uh, had just kind of started formulating an episode guide, one of the first things I remember putting down was, you know, Christ's return is imminent and we ought to be longing and eagerly waiting for his return. And every every time that I come across end times, uh, day of the Lord, uh, prophetic texts and scripture, um, it just constantly circulates through my mind and my own heart that Jesus Christ is going to return just as he said that he would in like manner to how he ascended according to Acts chapter one. Right. And I think that really is the most practical aspect of this entire discussion, not necessarily just for this particular episode, but in general, when we talk about the end times, we cannot leave Christ out of the end times. Mm. Um, yeah. A lot of times people get caught up with discussions about uh, Antichrist or the six or the seven seals and the seven bowls and the seven trumpets yeah. and all of these, you know, uh, eschatological, um, judgmental events that are taking place. And, you know, I, I think we should pull away from those at times and focus on Christ. He, he, he's returning according to Revelation 19. So, I mean, that's where I would start as far as 
practicality is concerned. Yeah, I, I would I would add to that. That's so good. Such a that's I think that's the first response, and I think the world senses kind of a sense of uh, there's a sense of panic, a sense of fear, and let's not kid ourselves. There should be fear when we talk about the second coming of Christ. Like he is he is coming to judge. Like there there is going to be wrath poured out. Uh, that's what we see a lot of Revelation discussing. Right, that the the judgment of God is coming. He's coming as the rightful king. He's not coming as a lamb to be slain, but as a king to reign. And um, there's going to be there should be fear. But for those of us who are in Christ. We should long for the coming, his second coming, uh, because mm. the end is glorious. It's the end of sin. It's the end of pain. It's the end of suffering. And it's the beginning of an eternity unhindered by those things and is focused instead on worshiping the one to whom all glory is due. And so I think it's just so imperative that we keep that perspective in mind and long for the return of Christ, not in fear, but in hopeful expectation of the, of the eternity to come. Yeah, in terms of application, where would you go, Josh? Yeah, um, I uh, agree with everything you guys just said, you know, and of course there are, there are various view, views on um, where Christians will be during um, the most intense moments of the um, judgment at the end. Um, but there is no doubt that there will be Christians on the earth um, when that happens. Either way, Romans eight twenty eight says, um, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, is that Romans 8, 28? I don't know if I got the reference right there. Um, That's correct. Um, yeah. And so whatever my level of experience with COVID-19 or um, with anything that may yet be future, um, God has me in the hollow of his hand and I need to fear that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, another point of application, just moving on from that, is that we ought not to presume on God, like the things that you guys have been saying, you know, making predictions about, um, you know, well, certainly he's not going to delay his coming past, you know, such and such. Certainly uh, you know, telling everybody that it's going to happen in my lifetime. It may. Um, but, uh, you, you know, the parables that we see Jesus teach following immediately on his Olivet Discourse, um, that, that talking about these signs. Um, you know, again, John MacArthur writes this, the parable at the end of Matthew 24 and the parable at the start of Matthew 25 make an interesting content, contrast. The two parables teach opposite but complementary lessons. The parable about the servants in 24, 45 to 51 teaches us to be prepared for Christ in case he comes sooner than we think. The parable of the virgins, 25, 1 through 13, teaches us to be prepared in case he delays longer than we expect. Hmm. I think that's a good reminder, just you know, that it is, it is foolish both to presume that God is um, not going to uh, delay past X. It is also um, silly to presume that he's not ever going to come, that just because, you know, he says he was imminent 2,000 years ago, his return, um, you know, I shouldn't take that word seriously. And in fact, right. I should. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I would, I would, spring off to that into another point of application. Uh, but that would just simply be this. The return of Christ is coming. And so if you have not repented, if maybe somebody's listening today, Lance and I, we've had this conversation many times. If you're listening to the podcast, whether you're a regular listener, if you stumbled into the podcast, or if somebody shared this episode with you in particular because of the topic. Um, but if you have not repented and believed the gospel, do so now. 
because once Christ comes, it will be too late. Uh, there is a a day of judgment that is will be upon you, and so there's just an urgency I think that's created um, that we need to be mindful of and recognize. Um, you know, Lance, we talked about uh, the uh, resolution from Jonathan Edwards talking about what 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 would you not do or or, or committing to not doing anything that you would be um, embarrassed or ashamed or would not want to be caught doing the last hour of your life, like live the whole, your whole life that way, not just in the sense that your days are numbered, but also that the return of Christ is imminent. And so just repent and believe. And for those of us who are in Christ, continually repent and continually believe because that's what characterizes the lives of believers. And uh, it should just be, there's an urgency I think that's created there um, that we need to, we need to be aware of and be sensitive to. Yeah. Now, uh, a few weeks ago when we were recording, I had mentioned, look, we don't know what to do with COVID-19 because there hasn't been a book written on it, right? And then like the same day, John Piper releases Coronavirus and Christ, um, which you can get the audio book, I think, on Desiring God uh, for free. Uh, but I know, Josh, you've listened or at least read through that. Um, and uh, would you recommend that resource? And what about it caught your attention? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was excellent. He has two parts to the book. One is about who the God is that is sovereign over COVID-19. And then the second part is what is that God doing with COVID-19. And uh, he makes a very poignant application. um, And it is this. uh, He makes several. But um, the one um, that was most striking to me was that um, we ought to take seriously the sinfulness of sin and its devastating consequences. Because disease is a result of the curse, which is a result of sin. And he he puts it this way, God is giving the world in the coronavirus outbreak, as in all other calamities, a physical picture of the moral horror and spiritual ugliness of God belittling sin. Sin, in fact, is why all physical misery exists. And that's an excellent reminder. I mean, you think about the the harm that this that this disease does, or any disease, the Black Plague or um, the Great Influenza in World War One, think of the ugliness and the the violence that that disease does. Well, that's because sin is ugly and violent, and 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 it's a picture for us. It's a parable for us about um, our own sin. You know, um, he's Piper isn't saying in this quote that everyone who catches coronavirus catches it as a direct consequence of some specific sin of their own, though that may happen. But he's just saying that coronavirus would not exist except for sin. And we are sinners. Mm, Man, that's that I have not read that book um, because my co-host embarrassed the entire podcast and said that it didn't exist. Um, So I've I've tried to just did not. Tried to ex- dis- distance myself from its very existence. No, but that that point is is um, so powerful because I do think that it reminds us of the antithetical nature of sin and disease to God's perfect creation. And when you see death, when you see the horror, the 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 physical tor- torment that disease causes, and the the calamity that it, that it puts upon creation, it shows us the brokenness and the distortion of God's perfection. And um, what a, what a a beautiful word from Piper there to talk about that physical image that uh, is now available because of 
this outbreak and this outcry. And so um, I, I may in fact have to break, break the fast and, and, and grab, grab the copy. Yeah. I like what you guys said there about examining our own heart, uh, looking into our own sin uh, and, you know, ultimately we're in this spot because of sin. Um, yeah. And Josh, I like what you said. Uh, you know, if you have been personally affected by COVID-19, it's not because of some personal sin that you committed. You're just talking about, you know, in, in a general sense. And then TJ had just, uh, you know, thrown out the gospel message there just a few minutes ago. And, and it made me think in all this end times discussion, Revelation 21 and 22, you know, the new heaven and the new earth, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, glorification, um, no sin, no curse, no death. You know, we have these end times discussions, but the the really the end of all things is when Christ returns and brings us into the new heaven and the new earth where sin doesn't exist, no disease exists, COVID-19 isn't even a thought, um, mm. but because of what God has done through Christ um, and then bringing us in to, to the end of all things for eternity, it's it's just wonderful. Yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, all right, a couple other points of application, Josh. Where where would you go next? Anything else that really stands out that we can learn from this? Uh, broadly speaking, yeah, I would just tag on to that last one that um, the Lord Jesus. One of the reasons why He is coming back is to judge sin, and so coronavirus serves also as a signpost and a warning. Um, uh, you know, when we think about it in terms of the curse, in terms of sin and being a result of that, um, it should be a warning to us about the, um, the, really the danger for anyone who's not in Christ or anyone who's not repented of their sins um, for the coming judgment. But going on from there, we shouldn't be surprised when we, when we talk about the signs, right, such as um, we have been pestilence and wars and famines and such. We shouldn't be surprised when we see COVID-19 to see other attendant signs also. Um, and one of those would be an increase in persecution um, and in false prophets. I don't want to blow that out of proportion, but Jesus says in um, all of that discourse that lawlessness will be increased. Um, he, you know, 2 Timothy 3.13 says that evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so what does Peter say when he talks about these things? He says, prepare your minds for action, 1 Peter 1, 13. Um, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, so preparing our minds for action, you know, when we see, for example, Piper's book, um, the audio version was available on YouTube at the Desiring God channel until they removed it last Friday, just a couple of days ago, because they said it violated community um, standards. And I think specifically, though they haven't said, probably due to the um, issue of homosexuality, because Piper actually talks about that. Um, and uh, Romans chapter one indicates that God has used disease uh, sometimes as uh, a judgment for specific sins, such as homosexuality, um, not in not in a blanket uh, way, but at, at particular times and seasons. Um so Piper's book then was um, taken down. The audio version was taken down from the um, Desiring God channel. 
it's the same reason we could say that, um, you know, a chaplain in the uh, army just a couple of weeks ago, he was um, called to be uh, court-martialed by 22 of his fellow chaplains because he shared Piper's book. And so, you know, when we see those, you know, we will see continued um, deplatforming um, or court-martialing or um, people even being fired because of their testimony to Jesus Christ because they are, um, you know, trying to trumpet the return of Christ and, and, and apply these signs um, to gospel purposes. Um, we will see that kind of persecution um, increase, and we ought to respond but not react. I don't know if that's a distinction you guys use, but um, Peter says, prepare your minds for action. So expect those things to happen uh, and respond, continue marching forward, but not in fear or in panic or mm -hmm. um, you know, in angst. Um, that does not do our testimony good. Yeah, that's, man, that's good. Um, man, that's, yeah, that's a good word. I did not know the details about those, uh, those two instances of persecution coming because of that book. Um, so that was, that was uh, really interesting. Lance, any, any other, um, any other practical takeaways, things that, uh, things that maybe we might be, we might do in response to all that we've discussed? Yeah. Make predictions of when the end of, you know, yeah. Create charts. Nu yeah. Numerology. <laughs> no, uh, I think, I think you guys, um, did a great job of explaining difficult points, uh, especially Josh with the last point that you raised, um, about Christians facing persecution and that will come. Um, and we see that in the book of revelation as well. So that's not, uh, something for 2020 only, but for the last days, um, as well. Um, what do we think, boys? We're going to roll into the uh, yeah. initiative here. Yeah, let's wrap this yeah, I'll up. I'll go ahead and kick us off here with the initiative then. Um, and mine would be, again, TJ, you mentioned it earlier, and I think we've done this a couple times on season two of Reformed Informants so far, just talking about solid balance. Just be balanced with end times discussions. Be balanced when you're talking about the last days or the last things. Um, of course, we want to look um, forward to that time, um, but we don't want to get out of line by making predictions or making guesses or making connections that aren't there. Instead, we can have those types of discussions as long as we have scripture that is safeguarding us and then um, keeping our focus on the return of Christ, which is what we're really longing for. Yeah, that's good. If I'd known you were going to say that, I would have gone first. Um, but, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, but uh, I, th I think what I would say, I uh, really want to echo that. That's that's uh, certainly something. And, and you've taught me that, um, Lance, just in our conversations, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, but I think I would add to that, kind of for my initiative, uh, something along the lines of recognizing that the end is indeed coming. And knowing that whether this triggers the end um, in terms of a domino effect of end times events or not, uh, I'm not making a prediction one way or the other. But no matter what, I hope it incites us, it, it, it urges us, it prompts us to recognize that the end is coming. Um, I'm very guilty of focusing on the here and now. I'm very guilty of focusing on, I've just got to get through this next phase of life, or uh, I've got to prep this sermon this week, or I got to work on my dissertation and finish this project or uh, this house, uh, you know, this, this thing that I need to do at the house or whatever. 
and I just forget about the glory of the coming of Christ. And just to remind us to create that urgency um, and to give us more of an eternal perspective uh, while simultaneously uh, encouraging holy and zealous and purposeful living right now. And so um, I, I would hope that regardless of where this falls in the grand scheme of history, that it would cause us to, to long for the return of Christ. Josh, what you got? I was thinking today is the day to evangelize and not tomorrow. Hmm. Um, because um, you know, I think of Luke 13, Jesus is telling this uh, parable of uh, uh, a man who owned a vineyard and there's a man who works in his vineyard and, and uh, the vineyard owner comes and there's a certain tree that's not bearing fruit and the, the vineyard owner um, or, or the, 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 uh, the worker says to the owner, you know, wait, wait just another year. Let me, let me try something else. Let me fertilize around it. You know, just wait and see if it bears fruit next year. And so while I long for the Lord Jesus to come back at the same time, Christians ought to have a desire for God's patience so that we can see our neighbors and our family members come to Christ and um, we ought not to be lazy. Mm. Let's take advantage of the time that we have, however long it may be. There's that balance we were looking for, Lance. That's great. Boys, it's been, it's been real great conversation. I hope it's been edifying to our listeners. If you're, if you're listening today and you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that, what are you doing? Uh, you can also do it on our YouTube channel. You can like us on Facebook at Reformed Informants. Follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at our underscore informants. And you can find links to all of our uh, social media platforms, all of our previous episodes, all in our sleek website at www.themajestiesmen.com slash reformed informants. Man, dude, that. <laughs> what, what are you, are you guys doing? doing? Not subscribing. The end is near. Subscribe. Get this done before the end of the world comes. Today, not tomorrow. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com. 